turning there real quick. Colossians chapter two. When you sometimes see me up here and you see my phone in my hands, I don't have Facebook or anything. I'm not checking any of those things. I'm not texting or this or that. And so a lot of times uh, I'll see something in my message that I didn't see before and I get curious and I'm looking at a definition of a word, trying to find something else out about it or whatever. So I don't want people to think I'm up here just gomming around on my phone doing church. It's not that way. But um, anyway, Colossians chapter 2. We're going to start reading at verse 8. Is everybody there? Amen. Okay. All right. Bible says in Colossians 2 and verse 8, it says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy of vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Boy, we see that today, don't we? Isn't it amazing how relevant the Bible is to today's time that was written 2,000 years ago, how that it's, it's not only past, it's present, it's future. It's amazing to me that one verse can be all three. Anyway, verse 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, and whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also he are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, been dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven, all, forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made us show them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for this day that you've given us, for this time together, and for the opportunity that we always have to call on you. And God, for uh, Lord, for always been there. God, I thank you that you don't take days off. You don't take time slots. And God, we don't have to come between a certain time. But God, you're always available. And Lord, I praise you that one day, why, I don't know why, but God, you saved my soul. And Lord, you called me to preach. You've allowed me to, to fill this office. And Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. And I pray for the hearts of each one that are here today. God, I don't know what's going on in people's hearts, but you do. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to fill me with your power and your action. I need you, Lord, and I can't do this without you. And God, I just pray and I ask that you touch hearts, God, as you see fit. Lord, through your power and through your glory. In Jesus, your name we pray, and amen. Um, as we've been kind of going through Colossians, and I, I mentioned this as we started this book, and I've kind of took a couple weeks off here and there. I might some more as we go through it. But remember, I said in Galatians, uh, the Judaizers came in, uh, the Gnostics, the, the Jews came in and said, hey, you still got to do works, you still got to do this, you still got to do that, you can't be saved. Uh, what Paul is telling you is not complete, it's not true. And they kind of did the same thing here at Colossians, but it was more of honoring and obeying uh, traditions and ceremonies and certain things like that, uh, more of their focus. And so Paul is addressing this here in this church. And you've heard me say this on Wednesday nights. If it was not for this little book in the Bible, there is a very good chance that most of the world's population would have never heard of the town of Colossus. It's gone, it no longer exists. 
It's this obscure little place in history, but it made the Bible. This letter made the canon of the scriptures because God saw fit that we needed to know this, that we needed to know these things. We needed to be taught this lesson. As I said, it's amazing to me how that a letter that was written to a church 2,000 years ago is relevant to today. Now, again, as I said, Paul is here fighting against traditions. He's fighting against false teaching. That People has a personal agenda. Do you realize in our day and time that so many people have an agenda? They have a personal agenda. There'll be a group, a, a faction of people who will say this is our goal, this is what we want to achieve, and they set out to achieve that. Uh, if you look uh, 30, 40 years ago, uh, there was a women's live movement. Uh, it was something about the Chicago Women's Union or something. I don't remember exactly what it was called. But in their statement, their main goal, they said, was to defeat men and to set up life so that they did not need a man in any way, shape, or form and to destroy man's place in society. That was their goal. Now, I believe we've seen some of that come to pass. And in churches, Satan's goal is to destroy everything that is truth from the Bible some way, somehow, to get you to buy into some world philosophy, some worldly idea, some worldly thought, so that we get away from the truth of the Bible and do our own thing in our own ways. And there's plenty of people out here willing to teach you. Whether you want to realize this or not, folks, there are men and women, I guess, uh, in pulpits, uh, filling today's pulpits that are not born again that I believe are direct uh, disciples of Satan. I say that with confidence. I say that with no hesitation, with no question. I think a lot of of the people that you find, hang on one second. On uh, today's popular YouTube channels or whatever uh, are doing these things and they're exploiting things. They're taking advantage of things. So uh, they're glorifying, they're magnifying themselves and what they're supposedly doing, what they're supposedly accomplishing for God and they're leading, leading thousands astray. Look, Satan's not going to step up behind a pulpit and say, this is my man, you all listen to him, he'll tell you the right way. He's going to disguise it as though that he's, he's somebody of God, that he's sent by God. It would do no good for him to introduce himself And so what happens is we have so many people that are so bound up sometimes in tradition and in all these things and they can't see the truth of God's word because we, even as us sometimes as Christians, even as us as a church, we are so steeped sometimes in what grandma did or or this church did or what I did as a kid. We can't get past those things to see the word of God and what God wants to teach us and do for us and what the Bible says. So here, what is happening, what Paul is telling them here, is they are attacking the authority of Jesus Christ, his his deity, who he is, what he is, and what he's about. They're saying that there's other ways, there's other methods, or there's this tradition, or there's this or that. And one of the things the Jews always brought in to play was circumcision. Said It was a symbol, a sign of throwing off sin and doing away with sin in your life and walking with God. And what Paul is saying is Jesus circumcised us, not with hands, not with the way man's tradition, but our heart, who we are. He gave us new life. He gave us life. 
and it's all found in him. It's all in Jesus. Everything you and I need. So let me try to be brief. I think I was going to. Let me see if I can pull it off. Got a few chuckles. He says, anyway, he said in verse eight, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. The word rudiments here basically means um, a, a order of things, the way the world does things. And what he's saying is that they're trying to come in and they're gonna take your faith and they're gonna squash it. They're gonna rob you of what God has given you if you allow them. And they're going to take away everything that the Holy Spirit has blessed you with and done in your life if you allow them. They can't take away their salvation. But what he's saying is your walk with Jesus will be so affected if you listen to this stuff, they're going to spoil all the good that comes with God. He says, for in him dwell all the fullness of the God it bodily. In other words, what Paul's saying, everything that there is in this world and when it comes to God is found in Jesus. You look around, everything that we know to exist and the things you don't even know to exist, it's all here because of Jesus. There's a lot that I don't know, way more than I don't know than I do about any subject probably there is. But I can tell you that I know where I have found the truth, I know where my help is, I know where to go to to get answers and that's in God. All this exists because of Him He's the one that keeps it in order. He's the one that keeps it straight. The ocean, our scientists and, and uh, environmental people are so worried about the ocean coming too far and swallowing islands. You know what? It might do it, but it won't come an inch farther than what God says it will. He's the one that's controlling this, not you and I. He says, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. As I've already said, everything you can think of on earth, all power, dark, light, whatever it is, it's all here because of him and he controls it all. We're complete. You know, it would be kind of like this. It'd be like I have a car sitting outside and it has no battery in it and it has no gas. For those of you that don't understand how a battery works, it's what provides the power to that car. When you turn that key over, that's what makes that engine start to turn and then the fire, the spark plugs fire, bust that gas into an explosion and that makes your pistons pump up and down in your car. For those of you that drive these fancy high dollar electric cars, it simply takes a battery. You hit the accelerator and your battery goes zoom. That's a pretty good description, wouldn't it? But I got a car with no gas or no battery. And I'm going to go out there every day and I'm going to start that car and drive it down the road. And every day I say, I'm going outside and I'm going down the road in this car for some reason I cannot figure out why it won't start. For the life of me, I can't understand it because there's no power there. There's nothing there to make that thing go. Friends, whether you and I realize it or not, everything that makes us go comes from Jesus and Him alone. He is the power behind everything we do in life. And whom also are, uh, are we, we circumcised uh, with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So he not only is the head of all things, but he made you and I the way he wanted us to be and needed us to be 
to be complete in him. You see, that car, even though it may have everything I need, if it has no battery and no gas, it is not complete. And everything I need, I get in Jesus Christ. He gave us a new life. He gave us life. Verse 12, buried with him in baptism, ran also we are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Now you wonder sometimes, and I always try to say this, half time I get it fouled up and trying to say it, and I get tongue tied. And I've had, I've told you before, my cousin in Indiana said, you can't listen to me on YouTube, uh, Facebook Live, because I, I just don't speak clearly enough. I'm too hick. She said, I can't understand you, so I'm trying to learn to enunciate better. I, I, I've noticed I've went, reverted back a little bit to my hippity way, so I'm trying to come back up to the local six o'clock news and speak clearly. But a lot of times when I baptize somebody, I try to say, bear with him in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection, because that is a symbol, that is a picture of what has happened to you. When you are born again, your old man is dead. The, the, the sin man, the, the sin nature is supposed to be dead and buried with him and, and buried in tomb and then raised a new creature, raised in the body and the fullness and completeness of Christ. That is what it's all about and it's all found in Jesus. It's all in Jesus. Everything I need and what Paul is telling them, all this false teaching, all these things are telling you has come along for hundreds of years. It is false. It is not true. No one else has power. No one else has the ability to do only what Jesus can. And it's only because of him that this world exists the way it does. And it's only because of him that you have life. No other source. No other way to get it. We look around in our day and time and we see so many people going so many different directions. I've seen more titles for churches in the last 30 years than I think I've seen if I'd have lived 300. I remember when I went to the Bahamas for the first time on a missionary trip and still yet I feel like I've got to explain myself. Everybody's, I've had people say, you're going to Waikiki Beach next time, pass out trucks? Oh, well, I went to the part of the Bahamas the travel agencies doesn't show you. Trust me, it exists. And those people are poor. But I saw all kinds of churches. I remember one of them, or a few of them, uh, Church of God, Holiness Christ Temple, Pentecostal, Missionary Baptist, uh, Fellowship of the Beloved would be the name of one church. Well, we know that makes no sense because if there was ever a contradiction, Pentecostal missionary Baptist is definitely a contradiction. And, and it was so many things like this. I saw all these different church names and things. And when I looked, and then the pastor Lee told me, he said, they're just preaching a bunch of nonsense and all they do is say, come and have a good time. He said, they go sing a few songs and say a few words that means nothing and they all go home. He said, it's a motivational place. Does that sound familiar? Church, I know sometimes I may seem old in my ways and I may seem rough, I don't mean to, but there's so much false teaching out there and it's my job to try to protect you and keep you from watching this junk. There's people on YouTube putting out stuff that looks so true and so real and I want to call it out right now, but just a lot of it, 
that it's just so bogus and you've got to be careful what you listen to and who you listen to just because they say I got a word from God does not mean it come from the God of the universe that you and I know. You've got to realize that. And, it, and it's just so subtle, so simple, so easy. I'm going to preach my three points here just a minute and we'll be done. You've got to realize that there's so many people out there who think they had the truth. Let me give you a quick thing, and I'm trying to hurry. If you remember in Acts, when the, early on in the book of Acts, the Sanhedrin had a big meeting, and Gamaliel said, if it's not of God, it'll win, so don't worry about it. He was wrong that the day is long. Let me ask you something. You know what's considered by the world the oldest religion on earth? Hinduism. They claim they're the oldest religion. They're wrong, but if you go to Google and ask the oldest religion, that's what Google will tell you. Try it. Some say Catholic. Most searches come up with Hinduism because they claim they're the oldest religion. So people can look at that and say, well, if they're the oldest religion, that's got to be right because it's been around for all this time. You see how easy our minds will lead us astray? Then you take somebody with a little bit of self-influence, a little bit of self-motivation, look what they can do with that. And then don't think Satan won't help them. He's going to help them because they're defeating what Jesus did. And there's so many people that I hope they're saved, I don't know if they are or not, that's up proclaiming things that are not true. It's, folks, it's simply not there. You ever look up, you get a chance sometime, find an older box of rat poison and look at the ingredients and see how much of it's poison and how much of it's just benign products, just, just, not, just nothing, cardboard. Take a look at it sometime. It doesn't take much to be poison. It only takes a little bit. And Am I right on everything I do and say? Probably not, but I certainly do my best to make sure what I'm telling you is true from the Word of God, from the King James Bible, and not my opinion. My opinion won't do you a bit of good. If anything, it'll mess you up most of the time, but this Bible will always do you good. Three points and I'm done. Long, long introduction. Verse 13. And you've been dead in... Your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So number one, he took care of all my trespasses. You know, we were dead spiritually. You had no life, but only because of Jesus and only him can we have life eternal. He came and attached himself to us. He became part of us and he made us part of him. No other God can do that. And you and I and all of our sins, all of our faults, all of our failures, all of our trespasses against God, all the things throughout our life that we did, he said, you know what? I will simply make you a clean slate as though it never happened and I will give you life eternal and I will move inside of you and love you. Jesus did that for you and I. He took care of all of our trespasses. He nailed your sins to the cross. If you'll allow me. As they were driving that nail through his, I know people says, but but it has. This is part of your hand if you're a medical student. 
They drove the nail through his hands. When you stop and you think about that, that was him saying, this is your sins that I'm driving right now, that I'm nailing to my cross. He took your sins and my sins and made them his own and says, I will take your sins. I will deliver you from death. I will give you what no one else can give you or do what no one else can do. Thank God he did that for you and I. You were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Hath he quickened together? That means give life with him. Verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Number two, he took care of all the traditions. Let me explain this just for a minute. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Do you realize what he's saying is all of the law, the Ten Commandments, and anything else that come against you, he took with his blood and wiped that clean. There was a lot of traditions the Jews had to follow to be right with God. Do you understand that they had to bring sacrifices? They had to keep rituals. They had to do things on certain dates at certain times, the way God ordained it and the way God planned it and the way God ordered it. If they didn't do that, they were not right with God. Do you understand that? If they didn't keep all of those, then, they, then God's sin, considered sin, or his, his indignation was against them. So you think it was easy to serve God in the Old Testament, friends, you're wrong. It was not simple. Now, there's more accounted to us now because it's grace. It's stricter in some ways. We're required more because the Old Testament did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. It did not require the death of Jesus to get the punishment of God off of them for a year, but we are having our punishment taken off for eternity because of Jesus, and thank God he did that for you and I. So I'd say it's safe to say God requires quite a bit from us too. The traditions. Let me ask you something. How many times do traditions get in your way? Even now we hang on to so many things that are not biblical. He took our sins, our false beliefs, our hopes, everything, and he nailed them to his cross. What a way of making God, amen? What a, oh Lord, I don't have this thing on silent. That'll be about right, it goes off here in a second. He took care of all of that. Let me say this, and I'm, and I'm on the last point. I dare say sometimes, me included, how much tradition plays a part in our life with God in our church service than what we realize. Mark Ruby had one of the greatest thoughts I've ever heard on that. He said, what if somebody, a group of people, were on a deserted island? They knew nothing of the outside world and a Bible come ashore in their language and that's all they had to go by of what church would be like. I wonder what it would be like. I bet you'd be different than ours. They had no tradition to go by. They had no influence from the out from the world to affect them. Now, don't don't think Satan couldn't bring things there. He he would stir up dust there, same as he does here. But I wonder how they would conduct church. I bet you'd be different than ours. 
You and I are so steeped in tradition. Some traditions aren't bad. I'm not knocking that. But what I'm, sometimes I stop and I say, God, is my traditions in the way? And I've got to ask myself that occasionally. But all of the traditions of the Jewish law, all of the law, he nailed it to the cross. He fixed that. Lastly, and I'm, and I'm done with this last point. Verse 15, it says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. <laughs> he took care of all my trespasses. He took care of all the traditions. He took care of the greatest traitor and terrorist the world has ever known. And that's Satan. His lies, as I've already said, his spokesmen, his twisted leaders, at that time and now, he openly defeated them. Let me try to explain a couple things in this verse. This verse says a whole lot. <laughs> and having spoiled principalities and powers, that means demonic forces against you and I. Government, just Satan, through people, whatever it may be. If you look at Ephesians chapter 6, when you put on the, talk about put on the armor of God, it's the same kind of language. And he made us show them openly, triumphing over them in it. He was openly, the Bible tells us in Acts, Paul was standing there defending himself, and he tells, I believe it was a grip, he said, for this thing was not done in a corner. In other words, nothing about the crucifixion of Christ was hidden. He was put on display for the world to see. You understand he hung naked on a cross for you and I, beaten to a bloody pulp. Says his bones looked at him. Most of his joints were out of socket. I've never had a dislocated limb of any kind that I know of. I'm quite certain I have it because from what I've been told, you will know it. I've heard it's extraordinarily painful. And he took all the wrong that Satan did and all the sins that man had committed by his choice and he openly answered for all of that for you and I. He took that and said, I'll take God's punishment. I will be crucified. I will suffer for you. And he told Satan, he said, openly, I am the ruler of this universe. Do you remember when Satan tempted him up on the top, took him up on the mountain and said, if you'll bow, I'll give you all, all these cities, all this that you see? Jesus wanted that. You see, this Satan is, we know that the Bible says Satan is the current ruler of this world. But God still controls it all. But Jesus openly said, Satan, as he hung there, I believe he was saying, I am going to rule this world. And it is mine and I just bought it with my blood. Amen. And you can't stop me. He made a show openly in front of everybody who he was. The Sadducees, the scribes, all the people that were against him. He openly said, here I am. Three days later, he rose again from the grave. Thank God. And they've been trying for 2,000 years to write it away and can't do it. Well, this reason or that reason, and none of those hold true. Let me say this, and I'm finished. Be another tradition that you need to ignore. Has anybody heard of the Shroud of Torn? 
That didn't come from Jesus. Don't you get caught up in that nonsense. Supposedly, it was the, it was the linen wrappings that they, he was wrapped in in the grave is what they have. That's false. You know why it's false? I'm going to give you a few reasons. Do you know how people treat that thing? They bow down to it. And my Bible tells me I'm not to bow down to anything or anyone but God. No graven image of any kind. The only thing that was left was that napkin symbolizing, stating, I will be back. I'll be back. And today, he's given you and I the power through him to overcome this world. Will my problems disappear? Probably not, all of them. Life be rosy? That's just not life, that's a lie. If you want to go listen to those people, you can. They'll tell you all that. And they'll make you believe because you're not rich, all your bills are paid, and your health is perfect, that it's your fault because you don't have faith. Folks, that's just not truth. It's just not true. But I thank God that he did tell me the truth. And he said, you know what? And I'm paraphrasing a whole lot of Bible here. He said, you're going to have problems. You're going to have trouble. He said, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. You're going to suffer. He said, if if they nail me to the cross, what do you think they're going to do to you? He said, but I give you life eternal and I've got a hope and I've got a home beyond this world and I'll go there one day soon and I'll never see another tear shed. I'll never hear another baby cry. I'll never see another elderly person mistreated not been taken care of. I'll never see another child go without. I won't see any more drug addicts. There won't be any more family disputes. There won't be any more heart feelings. Thank God I'll be out of a job. I'll never go on another death call, work another funeral, the rest for eternity. Hey, I'll have all those things. And most of all, I'll be with Jesus and see him face to face. That's what I'm looking for. Father, we thank you again for this time together. And God, I, as I thought about this, Lord, I pray that I don't just have the same message, God, with a different title. I worry sometimes, God, am I really saying anything? Am I really teaching anybody anything? And God, I don't know, but you do. Lord, I just try to preach what I believe you give me, what the Bible teaches. Lord, I pray this morning that I was accurate in my interpretation of what the Bible says and what we need to know from your word. And God, I pray Lord, today that you deal with hearts here, that each one is here, whatever they need. I don't know what they need, God, but you do. If there's something someone needs from you, Holy Spirit, please touch their hearts, give them courage to come to this altar. We shouldn't need it, but God, we do oftentimes. And I pray and ask that you just do what only you can. And we thank you and we praise you. Most of all, God, if there's someone here that's lost that doesn't know you, please, Holy Spirit, show them that they need to be saved. God, we don't have the promise of tomorrow. We thank you, we praise in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, we get a song. Yes.